everyone, or should I say, hello everyone, welcome to a spooky episode of Lance Odd, I'm one of your hosts, the ghoulish Johnny Townsend, and with me as always is the creepy Chris Chavez, what's up Chris? <laughs> what's up? Chris, it is the Halloween season. Yes. Uh, it's the, It should be, with this, you know, our love of this podcast, <laughs> Uh, our favorite time of the year, or at least one of our favorite times of the year. Oh, for sure, it's one of my favorite times of the year, for sure. Yeah, yeah, same here. It's all it's really fun, uh, and also this is the first history creep slash that's odd in like I don't know fifteen months. <laughs> <laughs> I know it feels like it, right? Um, yeah. We always talk about the curse uh, pushing our show back, not getting our show out, having technical difficulties. I got to tell you that though, this time the curse, I welcomed it. It was a nice curse. Uh, I was cursed to spend a week in Jamaica. Yeah, well, well that's horrible. I'm so sorry <laughs> to go on vacation. I saw those amazing pictures, too, you and your wife. So, uh, yeah, what a terrible curse. <laughs> Poolside, drinks in yeah, hand. That pool, honestly, is amazing. Dude, I was, was going to comment, that's an amazing pool. It uh, was for a all those who are time. listening, go to uh, the back issues. What's your uh, no, Instagram? It's actually, it's, it's actually on my personal one, CC Chavez 13 oh, Okay. Uh, but, yeah. yeah. It was, yeah, it looks amazing. It's so. a great. It was a great time, man. It, we had a, a blast. Uh, we stayed at an all-inclusive resort, so everything was included: food, drinks. It was you didn't pay for a thing. Anytime you felt like having anything, you just went and got it. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. And the the pool was fun. The activities were were fun. It was a lot of a, a lot of good times there. We didn't do many excursions off, you know, on the island to check out, uh, you know, anything going on outside the resort. That's for next time. We just really needed a week to recharge. Uh, and you know, sometimes you need that after the grind and we've talked about the curse on the show. I know I've complained about work on the show, so it was very much needed, uh, recharged, refocused, coming back strong. Uh, no more late episodes from here on out. Th- these fans, th- the listeners are going to get an episode a week, even if it's c- comes down to me, you know, recording something real quick to throw out there because, you know, the curse struck and stopped us from doing our show. Yeah, and then on top of that, I think Carter went on vacation or is going on vacation. Yeah, so. he's about to go on vacation here, which yeah, was so well, pushing well it back more. Yeah, yeah so, <laughs> and uh, I, I don't get to go anywhere, and I just sit here and be stressed all day. So, <laughs> so if any of us loses it, it's uh, going to be me. <laughs> so jealousy on my end. Yeah, yeah. but we're we're here worth a couple. I think pretty great tales to to tell the people, the peeps, our oh, oh, yeah. our lovely creeps who listen to us. Yes, yes, yes. Is it okay to be called a lovely creep? <laughs> I like that. Lovely creep is a nice a nice term of endearment, I think. Yeah. For the I listeners. Think so. Our lovely creepers. Yes. And Chris, do you think they had lovely creeps back in the 1800s? 1800s? Yeah, of course. I think creeps go back to the Stone Age. You're probably right. But let's go back to around 1816-ish. Sounds good. That year. Uh, a woman named Mary, uh, she visited... Switzerland, I'm sure you've heard of that country. Yes. Uh, they have amazing chocolates, from what I've heard. And cheese, Swiss cheese. And cheese, and uh, banks. <laughs> like, uh, well, Mary had friends in Switzerland there. And while she was staying there visiting friends, her and her husband, uh, they decided to have a ghost story competition. And this Ooh. competition meant that uh, they they would each go out and write a ghost story, and they would come back and they would decide who was the winner. Yeah, I never found out what the actual prize was. Maybe it was it was probably just bragging rights, pretty much. But here we go. But Mary at first had no idea what she wanted to write. 
we've all had that. I mean, Chris, you're a creative person. Yeah. I, I like to think I'm a creative person, despite what the people on the internet say. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's there will be times when your brain just doesn't work. <laughs> I'll tell you, anytime I've I've uh, had luck at writing and, and had, a, had a, you know, where the story flows is usually as it came to me. If I was ever put on the spot or, you know, in school, sometimes it was like I was given, you're, you're given something that you have to write. And for me, if you, if it's, it's not enough to hit that spark. So I'll sit there and stare at the blanking cur, you know, the, the blinking cursor on the screen, a big white page, just thinking, where do I start? It was a dark yeah. and stormy night. Nah. Yeah, uh, I think any creative outlet person it will experience that. I know growing up, I was known as the class clown, the funny guy, pretty much. And when somebody was being introduced to me, a lot of times they would be told, yeah, this guy is really funny. And they would look at me and they would pretty much say, well, tell me a joke. <laughs> Make me <laughs> laugh, like, funny man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> dance for me, monkey, dance. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So we've all had that, and Mary was having the same thing. Uh, but then, uh, luckily, she had what she called a waking dream. So I guess it would be like a daydream or something to us now. Nice. And I'm going to read to you a quote that she had. This is the, her describing her waking dream. I saw the pale student of unhallowed arts kneeling beside the thing he had put together. I saw the hideous phantasm of a man stretched out, and then, on the working of some powerful engine, show signs of life. He sleeps, but he is awakened. He opens his eyes. Behold, the horror thing stands at his bedside, opening his curtains and looking on him with yellow watery but speculative eyes and this dream hits her right and she begins writing the next day before you go move on this is out of her journal uh pretty much yeah how awesome is it the way people used to write back then i know like if you would read a, I mean (laughs) we were just saying when we were growing up so i'm not dissing the teenagers now yeah i guarantee if i had a journal when i was young it would it would be just as bad as they are now (laughs) but you know we don't write the same way anymore we'd have been like i dreamed about this guy standing next to this other dude and the guy (laughs) woke up and stared at me and and his eyes were just like yellow yeah and he was like totally awesome about everything (laughs) but like the way like even the way she writes when she's just writing her her regular day-to-day thoughts or even like so this is what happened last night you know it's so it's so like it's it sounds like the literature it sounds like literature well the man that she also married was a poet too so maybe part of it i don't know true Uh, but she began writing the next day however this waking dream that i told you was not her only influence you see Mary's life, and she was young, by the way. She's a teenager still. She's barely, uh, she's around eighteen-ish, so she's not even, uh, not even fully an adult yet, really. Right. Uh, she had given birth to a daughter who had sadly died only six weeks later, and she then had a dream. And this is also from her journal, and this is her describing a dream she had. I dreamt that my little baby came to life again. That it had only been cold, and that we rubbed it by the fire, and it lived. I awake, and I find no baby. I think about that little thing all day. 
So this tragedy, this horrible thing, and then this is not the only terrible thing that's happened to her. Uh, she would actually lose a couple of children, and her, uh, I believe it was her stepsister or her half-sister uh, uh, committed suicide. So she's been through a lot at a young age. Jeez. But all this comes together for her to write this ghost story. And this ghost story would go on to become the classic novel Frankenstein. The, the woman's name, Mary Shelley, of course. Uh, Frankenstein is considered the first science fiction novel, and it's also the first concept of the mad scientist. Yeah. And what's even more incredible about this novel is not the fact that we all know who Frankenstein, well, Frankenstein's monster is now. Uh, you know, it's a universally, uh, you know, iconic character in horror or in anything, really, yeah. just in pop culture in general. Uh, she wrote this when she was only 18 years old. And it was published when she was 20. And when this book came out, critics hated it. They panned it. They couldn't stand it. But at this time, this is when uh, more of the darker stories was getting really popular. Yeah. And her book just took off with readers and became plays. And, and of course, it's now in every sense of uh, media that we have now. There's been some sort of Frankenstein. Yeah, Boris, uh, the, image of, monster. the image of Boris Karlov is probably yes. one of the most iconic images of Frankenstein. There is that whole, like, sleepy-eyed, dead look, you know, just kind of staring at you from underneath those that overhanging brow. Yes. Yeah, there's all kinds of great... I mean, Boris obviously would be the number one for me. Uh, my, my favorite would be... Bring it. I know what you're going to say, dude. <laughs> All right, go ahead and guess. From Young Frankenstein? That's my third favorite. Guess oh, what my second favorite really? is. Oh, really? What else? You're on, the, you're on the right track when it comes to comedy, though. Oh, it's uh, uh from the Monsters. Yep, Herman, yeah. Herman Monster. Yeah, yeah see, that's the one I grew up with. Because <laughs> my parents or my grandparents would watch it all the time. And uh, I just freaking love the Monsters. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. So he quickly became my favorite monster. Like, the Frankenstein Monster is one of my favorites. Nice. So. So that's the story of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Oh, very nice. Just in time for the Halloween season. Yes. That's yes. pretty cool. I actually I knew some of that story on how the like when she wrote the story because of that challenge that they had. Um and when I had learned about that story, so one of the other things I'd learned and I had didn't know, I may have brought this up during history creeps at some point, but did you know that that used to be a tradition uh, around Christmas time was that you told ghost stories? That, yes, and I think that's how. Um, that's what's his name. Uh, that's why a Christmas Carol is a ghost story. <laughs> well, during this, uh, they said when the reason that they were even doing a ghost story competition was because at this time there was some sort of weather event that was happening, and they couldn't go outside. Uh, so they were nice. all stuck indoors. So they were just trying to entertain themselves, and you know, obviously there wasn't television back then. So yeah, I've been a fan of ghost stories for a long, long time. I love telling them. I love creating them. Um. Yeah, ghost stories are great, dude. Yep, yep. And uh, we know our third buddy, uh, Carter, would agree with us on that. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, mine's not a ghost story. As a matter of fact, mine's about something we're very familiar with, curses. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we first-hand experiences. <laughs> mine takes place uh, a little bit more recently, between the 70s and 90s. Um, but let's talk about Hollywood first. So when I say Hollywood, well, tell me what some of the things that come to mind when I say Hollywood, Johnny. Well, obviously, you think movies. You think movie stars. Yeah. Uh, you think the the iconic Hollywood sign up on the hill. You are literally ticking off everything I have written down right now because I put <laughs> when you think of Hollywood, some of the first things that come to my mind are movie stars, the famous Hollywood sign, feature films. 
Right. Yeah. And uh, and this is just because, you know, this is the kind of stuff that I research often. The the famous Black Dahlia murderer. And yes, all the, sir. There's all kinds of crazy things that have happened in the world of Hollywood. You've struck it right on the head because along with all the fortune and fame, uh, there's a darker, seedier, creepier, and even odder side to the land of make-believe, my friend. Uh, since the early days, Hollywood has had its share of unexplained murders, uh, the Black Dahlia murder, disappearances, and even curses. Um, we obviously are familiar with curses here at That's Odd in History Creeps. Uh, but have you ever heard of a manuscript being cursed? Now, I've heard of movies being cursed. You know, there's famous ones. Yeah. Um, like, uh, what's that one horror film that was famously cursed? I'm blanking Pol- on it. Poltergeist? Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. So I've definitely heard of movie sets and stuff being cursed. Okay. Um, In the medieval times, uh, the practice of cursing books and manuscripts was a popular thing. Because during that time, there was no such thing as the printing press. So when you had to write a book or copy a book or a manuscript, it was painstakingly long. It took a long time. So the person who was actually doing the writing would protect his manuscript. He would place a curse either at the very beginning of the, the the writing or at the very end you know stating that whoever stole the script whoever destroyed it whoever did whatever with the, the manuscript would be you know would be murdered would die horrible deaths it'd be all these really you know just nasty horrible things that they would put in this curse to try to repel anyone from stealing or destroying their works so today we're going to talk about um, a curse of a manuscript uh, it's called the Curse of Atuk. Uh, in early 1970s, a man by the name of Norman Jewison purchased film rights to a 1963 novel called The Incomparable Atuk by Mordecai Richler. The story is about an overweight Inuit. Um, you know what Inuit is? Yes. Okay, just make yes. it sure. For listeners who might not know who they are, it's it's the peoples that live above the in like in the Arctic circles. The Eskimos are ki- are, are a part of the Inuit tribes, I believe, or something along the lines, or maybe yes. the Inuits are a part of Eskimo. I can't remember how it goes, uh, but that you know up there. So um, this overweight Inuit ventures from his home in the Arctic to the Big Apple, and the the film was in the, it was going to be intended to be a fish out of water style comedy. Jameson saw potential in the story, and he knew it would be a big hit. Um, and he knew something about big hits. Jameson directed um, In the Heat of the Night, Fiddler on the Roof, Moonstruck, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, among other films. In, in early 1982, United Artists approached John Belushi for the lead role in this part. By then, Belushi was a household name. He'd performed on Saturday Night Live through most of the 70s. He had had a successful transition into films, starring in such hits as Animal House and Blues Brothers. Have you seen either of those? Yeah, I definitely have seen Animal House for sure. I don't think people real, and I've definitely seen his Saturday Night Live stuff. Yeah, people don't realize how big of a star he had become. I mean, he was influential on like decades after that. Even. Oh, for sure. But his style of comedy—I mean, his style of comedy. Um, there was a, 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 a kind of brashness to the way he performed, but then there was this lovable part of him that you just felt like there was, you know, that there's no way this guy meant anything mean or, or was, you know what I mean? He was a fun guy to be around. Uh, the life of the party it was well known that he was an, an alcoholic and had problems with drugs, uh, but he was high, like you said, he was highly successful at this time. So you're talking 1982 after Animal House and Blues Brothers. Uh, United Artists approaches him to play the lead in this film. So he reads the script. And is immediately, 
just like, yes, I love this. I want to take this this thing. So the studio greenlights the production, and everything is ready to move forward, except on March 5th, 1982, just a couple of months after reading the script, Belushi was found dead of an overdose of cocaine and heroin in his hotel room. So that's the first one, right? Yes, yeah. Here we go, my friend. Four years later, the studio decides it wants to try again with Atuk. They felt strongly that this film would be a, a would be a hit. They approached comedian Sam Kinison for the lead role. Oh no! By this time, yes. By this time, Kinison was one of the most well-known comedians around. His brash, abrasive delivery style, paired with his tendency to periodically scream into the mic, made him one of Hollywood's most memorable acts. Uh, have you ever seen any of his stand-up? You know Kennison's stuff. Yeah, I definitely do. I'm a comedy nerd. So, oh, okay. Uh, so you, you'll yeah, know. I definitely know his stuff. He's also very influential to comedians even today. So. Oh, oh, ah! <laughs> yeah. oh, scream right into the mic. That was pretty good. Just oh, so you know. <laughs> dude, he's awesome, dude. I loved Kennison. Yeah. Uh, so after reading the script, again, Kennison is like, this is, the, this is a great story. I'm in, right? Yeah. Um, this time, production actually got got a chance to start. Everyone was signed on. Everyone was ready to go. Day one of filming starts. Six hours in filming, Kinnison is freaking out. He locks himself in his his dressing room, and he's and he's like, "No, we've got to rewrite this. I'm not happy with this at all. I don't like the way it, it's coming out. Let's re- let's rewrite it." And studios like, "That's not happening." And so Kinnison's pissed, dude. He's like, "Wait a second. He's like, my manager promised." that you know i would have creative control i should be able to help rewrite this script and the studio resisted so much so that kennison was just like you know what screw it fine you don't want to let me do this i'm just going to give a lackluster performance he's just going to walk through the film you know what i mean like barely just yeah. basically robot it and united artists is, it becomes pissed so much so that they file a lawsuit against him saying that he's basically sabotaging this film uh, the lawsuit goes on for a, a little bit over a year. Production stalls. Um, you can believe one or the other. Kinnison says he walked off and decided to quit the project. United Artists said they fired him. However, in 1992, talks pe- began again to get the movie made. And it was said that Kinnison was willing to make the movie uh, because at this time he was having financial problems. A lot of people thought the financial problems were because of United Artists taking him to court. Um However, he never got a chance to film. Before production could start again, on April 10th, 1992, Kinnison died when his vehicle was struck head-on by a drunk driver. So refusing to shelve the project, the studio decides to approach another actor-comedian well-known at the oh. time in 1994. John, I don't know. If you say Chris Farley. Oh, John Candy. John no, that's just as bad. Yeah, John Candy, yeah. By this I time, love John Candy. Yeah, man. I'm by a big the, John Candy fan. By this time, John Candy had had a successful career in Hollywood. Uh, he'd made hits, you know, um, including Blues Brothers, Stripes, Splash, Spaceballs, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Uh, great, a classic. Great Outdoors, Uncle Buck, Home Alone. Um, at the time, though, that he was being approached for the film, his his career was kind of hitting a slump. He wasn't getting as many good at comedy parts, so much so that he decided to try to do some, you know, uh, dramatic work. And he's in a few dramatic films at the time, but not so memorable because John Candy was always known for his comedy, right? Right, yeah, he definitely was. So John Candy reads the script and he loves it, expresses the interest immediately. Once again, before filming could start, 
John Candy dies on March 4th, 1994 of a heart attack. One day, it's almost a day, no, it's actually the day before the anniversary of John Belushi's death. He died on March 5th. Uh, he died March 4th, 1994. So you would think that maybe, let's just not make this movie, right? Right. Wrong. <laughs> let's try again. Two years later, SNL great Chris Farley is approached. I knew it. I knew lead. it. <laughs> yes, sir. By, I hate this movie. <laughs> by, by then, he had been in Wayne's World 1 and 2, Billy Madison, Tommy Boy, and Black Sheep. Uh, and like his hero, Belushi, he read the script and wanted in immediately. He thought that he could play this character perfectly, this fish-out-of-water, little overweight physical actor in, in you know New York City. Um, he even found a part in it for a close friend of his, Saturday Night Live alum Phil Hartman. Oh, man. It's claimed That's... that the two read the script together before Farley decided to take the part. But once again, before production could begin... On December 18, 1997, Chris Farley was found dead of an overdose, just like his his hero, Belushi, of cocaine and heroin. Oh, man. Seven That's months a... later, Phil Hartman's wife murders him in his sleep, shooting him twice in the head before eventually committing suicide. Now, Chris, you're barely older than me, so we if you're like me... You definitely remember both of these murders. I mean, well, yeah. I'm going to call them murders because they both died. But yeah, uh, I was a humongous Chris Farley fan. I love that guy. I, I loved remember. him from from Saturday Night Live. Yep, I love him in the I loved him in the movies. So I was honestly this is he his death was probably the first celebrity death that really hit me because I was old enough then yep. for it to mean something. Same here, and it and it really hit me, and I was honestly heartbroken over it. Still am. I get really sad thinking about it now. Because he he had so much left to offer, and then the Phil Hartman thing was just so tragic, tragic and sad. Because I loved him too. I mean, he had such a even his voice was iconic. Phil yeah. Hartman's voice. Oh so. my god, yeah, he was. Oh man, uh, I hate this movie. It's killed a lot of people I like. <laughs> yeah, right. After Farley's death, though, United Artists shelved the project, uh, where it has remained to this day. It has not been brought down again for production. Uh, but isn't that strange, man? I know people yeah. can always say you can find all these weird ties and say it's this and that, but that just seems very strange. Like, the guy who wrote the book, did he place a curse on it? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, what happened there? Yeah, because these are not just small names. These are big-time names. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's almost always within the year of, of, of them accepting uh, being a part of it right before production starts. The main, the lead, and it's always the lead. And now uh, this one by, uh, you know, what relation? I guess Phil Hartman. That, but still, it's um, yeah. Now, like I want to send this message out, Kevin James. If they come to you with this script, <laughs> uh, turn the other way. Don't even open it, dude. Yeah, <laughs> just run away. <laughs> You're right. Chris Farley was one of those ones that I remember. You know how they always say uh, the generation above us, and mostly our grandparents too. Uh, they always remember where they were when they heard JFK died. Yes. It's the same with Chris Farley. I remember exactly the moment. I remember exactly where I was when I heard it over the radio thinking, oh, my God. And my first yeah. thought was to call my buddy Ryan because he was a huge Chris Farley fan, too. Like, we were both huge Chris Farley nerds, so much so that we memorized different skits from SNL. We memorized Tommy Boy. We memorized Black Sheep. Like, we knew all the different lines. We'd perform them all the time. Um, yeah. And my first instinct was I had to call him to see if he had heard yet. And, you know, it was just – it was crazy. It's – Wow. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that too. I mean, this was this happened in 
what was it mid nineties? I think, like yeah. you said before, uh, this was before the internet was really definitely a thing. Yeah. Uh, I know, I know I didn't have internet at my house at that time. Yeah. And I had, and I think I learned through it from watching TV. Like it came on the news and that's how I found out. It's crazy, After, right? Yeah. And it just, I remember being floored by it. Like I was just sad. I couldn't, nothing made me happy the rest of that day. Yeah. No, I know it was uh it was a, it sucks. Um, but yeah, I saw this and I thought, holy cow. I mean, like I, like I said, I've had this list of different curses that I wanted to a- address at some point throughout all these shows, just because ours is a cursed show. Um, <laughs> yeah. so I feel like there's a theme to that's odd and history creeps. And at some point I want we're going to end up addressing this list and this one was on it. And I thought this one would be good to do for that's odd because it's, it is, it's, an, it's very odd how each one of these leading men read for it and ended up dying before yes. production um and yeah. not and not dying like naturally i mean because dying of a heart attack is 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 still not natural you know what i mean it, yeah i would say of all the deaths that's the most natural of them all yeah but still he wasn't that old of a person no 44 uh, 45 something like that 43 yeah um but you know definitely the rest of them are definitely i mean overdoses car crash a wife murdering you. I yeah. mean, oh, are- and the car crash. So about Sam Kinison's death too. This was another strange thing, a little odd thing, and with his death. Have you, have you ever heard about what happened when he died? I don't remember. So I just know he died in a car crash. Yeah, the the vehicle that struck him. Um, it was a, a truck that ended the pickup truck that ended up you know veering over because the kid, seventeen year old kid, was drunk while he was driving. He ended up hitting him head first. Uh, Belushi was found at the scene. He was still alive, stuck between the passenger seat and the driver's seat. You mean Kinnison? Uh, Kinnison, sorry, yeah. So Kinnison, yeah. Uh, Sam Kinnison was still found alive. His brother um, and a couple of people, I guess, who were following him because they were on the way to one of his sold-out shows, um, you know, ended up getting him out of got him out of the car and he was literally walking around and they were telling him, you need to lie down, just relax, and you know, we're going to get help. But he didn't look like he was very hurt. So he ends up laying down and putting his head in the hands of his one of his best friend's laps. The guy's just sitting there, right? And he's talking to him. Um, and Kinnison's quiet the whole time he's talking to him. Then all of a sudden, Kinnison just kind of looks past him. Like he's looking at somebody standing above him and just starts saying, I don't want to die. I don't want to die right now. And then he kind of just stops. Like he's listening. And like you could see in his face, he's kind of slightly nodding and listening to what's being said. And so he responds and says, but why? And then he waits and listens a little more. And then he says, okay, okay. Okay, and on the third okay, he just let the last breath and died peacefully. Wow. Yeah, isn't that strange? And then when they did the autopsy, they found out like he had all kinds of internal like bleeding and torn aortas, all kinds. Of, it was crazy, like the internal damage he had sustained in that. He was going to die regardless. There was nothing that they'd have been able to do. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, that's that in itself was odd. We could have probably done an episode just on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's my story. Didn't mean to bring it down with all this death and doom and gloom, but to me, like the this this script making its way around, and it's specifically in a, in a in a city in a town that's superstitious. You know what I mean? Such a superstitious oh, yeah. town. You would have thought after maybe the second time they'd have been like, no, nope, forget it. Put yeah. it away. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, not do this. How about that? That's an idea. Yeah. So it looks let's like not do it. It looks like yeah. they uh, finally got smart and uh, and put that up on the shelf. So so that's my story tonight. Your story was pretty cool too. Perf- These are kind of perfect for the Halloween season. Oh yeah, for sure. For um, sure. 
So uh, I think what I'll do is just tell people where to find me before I go out and check out here. Hey, Chris, I just had an idea. What's that? Uh, all right. Now, just hear me out. Okay. Why don't, at this moment, you yep. tell the people where to find you? Sounds perfect. That was my idea. Nobody else's. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, as well as this show and History Creeps, I do another podcast called Back Issues Comic Book Podcast. Check it out. You follow us on Facebook or on iTunes and Stitcher. You can find us on our network, BICBP-radio.com, where you'll find that show, this one, as well as a number of other ones, including some that Johnny do. Check them out. See which ones you like. Uh, follow us on iTunes and Stitcher. Let us know how we're doing. Comment, rate, rate us. Um, what else? Uh, we have an Instagram account. It's uh, at History Creeps. And uh, we have a Facebook page, History Creeps Podcast or History Creeps. Look us up. I can't remember which one it is. Look it up on Facebook. Follow us. Uh, you'll get the newest episodes when they come up and updates on anything we may have talked about in the past. Johnny? Uh, yes. Uh, my The other podcast I do is called uh, Retro Blist. It's with my buddy Trevor. It's about old school video games from the Nintendo to the Super Nintendo to the Sega Genesis up to about the year 2000. Uh, you can find us on this network as well as iTunes and Stitcher, and we have a uh, an Instagram that's at RetroBliss. Please follow it, and a Facebook page which is at RetroBliss. Please come and like it. Also, I do art. You can find that on my personal Instagram that is Johnnyism28. Uh, stop on by, say hi, uh, give me a wave, buy some art. Uh, you know, uh, keep me from being poor. That would be great. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us, guys. We. Uh, we we're going to try to get better with giving you more tricks and treats for this Halloween season. Uh, may everybody enjoy whatever you're going to dress up as. Are you going to be a, a very sexy kitten or are you going to be a very sexy uh, piece of candy corn? I don't know what to do nowadays. I'm, gonna- I'm very, I'm very lost. Uh, but anyway, for Chris Chavez, this is Johnny Townsend. Thanks for listening guys. And as always stay on.